It's been a lot of fun catching up with these former Aggies and uh, former basketball players. What are we calling it, AJ? Our, our interviews with above-average former Aggie basketball players? That's what you wanted to call it? I, I think Aggie Legends is better. You know, I, I remember you telling me we could call it the Aggies who never won an NCAA tournament game. And I thought that was really harsh, All right, especially for our next guest who's been through some heartbreaking stuff. I thought that was a little harsh. So I finally came out with the Aggie Legends series, and I think that sounds better. Spencer Nelson you joins know, I, us. And what, what title would you prefer that we call this series when we talk to you? I, I think it would all be true. I mean, uh, for sure, Aggies that never won an NCAA tournament game. I, I had teammates professionally, guys that played at like Carolina and Duke and those guys. They called us the watch team that we would come and collect our watch from the NCAA tournament and go home immediately afterwards. But uh, <laughs> a, 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 above, above average Aggies, I would like to think I was, but, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I was an average Aggie, but you can call it whatever you want. Uh, we can just even call it just Aggie basketball players, maybe. You might try to be modest and humble about it, but I don't think there's any way to, to get around how great you were. The fact that you made the Utah State Basketball Hall of Fame, or Utah State Athletics Hall of Fame, uh, obviously one of the uh, great legends of the Utah State Aggie basketball squad. I remember talking to Coach Morrill. He had nothing but great things to say about you. When you think back on your Aggie career, what part stands out to you the most that you cherish still to this day? I think most basketball players will tell you, it, and it's really cliche, but it's the relationships and the memories you have uh, with the guys of what you, you go through each individual season. And each season has a little bit of its own identity and turning points and kind of milestones. And so it, it's, it, it's the relationships and, and the memories with those guys going through those things. And then, like I said, I, I don't remember much. My wife will tell you I, my memory at times are poor, is pretty poor, but, uh, but there's kind of monumental, at least, you know, parentheses, monumental pivotal points in each season. And those are the ones I remember. And those are the fun, fun memories to think about. You were part of some pretty special teams at Utah State, uh, had some great runs, played under a, a tremendous coach in Stu Morrill. What's fun about what's happening this weekend is these teams are getting back together. Stu Morrill's coming back into town. Uh, what are some of your memories of Stu playing under him? Uh, maybe some of the things that we didn't all see behind the scenes. You know what? Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of great memories of Stu from the first year. Uh, you know, he <clears throat> Larry was the one that actually recruited me, and then Larry left to Iowa State the summer before my freshman year, and so Stu was the only coach that I knew that I actually played for. And, you know, from, from showing up and him starting the program and beating Utah when they were, I think they were ranked sixth that year in the nation, uh, to when I came back from my mission and he had the program rolling. And uh, I, I would say the thing about Stu that made him so great was his attention to detail, uh, whether it be in practice and running plays or how we travel. He... He had a very fine-tooth comb that he reviewed everything with, and his attention to detail was awesome. Um, you know, most people, I think, Stu was who he was. And so if you listen to him in press conferences, if you went to Aggie luncheons, and he was, he was very – he could be very charismatic. He really could. He told a lot of really good jokes. Um, but then he also was very professional and, and, and kept to himself in some ways, kept certain things private. Um, but but behind the scenes, I think you saw Stu more, uh, and even players. A lot of players probably didn't see this. I remember John Neal used to say, "Oh, my worst nightmare was to get stuck in the elevator with Stu." 
you know, between just the first and the third floor in the spectrum because he's like, I don't know what to say to coach. <laughs> and uh, and I'd say, you just talk to him. And he's like, I could never talk to him, you know, because he, he did have that head coach uh, air about him. But, uh, but I think there were a few of us that, for some reason, you know, connected with him a little bit differently. And uh, and if we were stuck in the elevator, we'd just joke around with him. And he would joke around with us. I think Stu has a great, great sense of humor. And he didn't he, – he was fine at poking fun at you. And uh, if you poked fun back, you know, he was good with it. So I think his sense of humor, honestly, is one of the greatest things that most people – I think sometimes they saw, but they probably didn't get a full flavor of Who's the best trash talker on the team? I mean, you guys had some great, great athletes on that squad. And I'm sure there was a lot of talking, especially in practice. You want to know what? We, we honestly, there was not a lot of talking when I was there, AJ. We didn't. Stu was probably the biggest trash talker. I remember, and I, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but there was a teammate of mine once who, wasn't going as hard as he should or, or whatever you want to say. And we were running a drill and, uh, and I went baseline on him and dunked it. And, uh, I didn't say anything, but Stu, Stu was the one that started talking trash and, uh, and say, that's exactly what I would do if guy wasn't playing defense, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so honest, honestly, we didn't talk much. I, I mean, I don't think Stu would have put up with, you know, garbage like that if we would have talked a whole lot and, that just wasn't the way we operated for the most part. You know, we're talking to Spencer Nelson. He's uh, one of the all-time greats at Utah State for many different reasons. And, and Spencer, the, the teams that you were on, uh, they had tremendous runs in the Big West. Some of the battles that you guys had, there were some pretty good teams, maybe underrated teams from uh, what a lot of people realize. Yeah, I, I mean, it definitely, when you look at the Mountain West in its heyday, or even the WAC when, you know, Nevada and Louisiana Tech, I mean, you had a number of NBA guys, and that wasn't the Big West. But I, I think there were some really good teams that, that year that uh, we were ranked nationally. Uh, Pacific was really, really good. And then my senior year, Pacific was still really good. Irvine had some good teams. And then Fullerton, Fullerton usually was the most talented team. And they did have a couple NBA guys. Uh, they had uh, Pop Sow and, uh, and Bobby Brown, who had a great professional career, and then some other guys. But they, they couldn't put it together consistently, obviously. But if you caught them on the wrong night, they could have beat anybody. But there were, there were I mean, like I said, Pacific, uh, those days, Marker, Yango, Dubly. Uh, I mean, three or four guys that went and played professionally in Europe were on that team. Irvine had a couple teams with, uh, with some professionals on it. And so, yeah, they, there were some battles, and it was a lot of fun. Pacific going back and forth with them and, uh, and Irvine. Uh, yeah, it, it was a great league. I know people kind of bag on it in the sense it wasn't as highly rated, and it wasn't. I mean, that's just matter of fact. But there were some good teams and probably undervalued a little bit. But um, it, it, for me, it was the perfect storm. It was the right level, uh, and, and it was a great level for Utah State in the sense we were, I think, budget-wise and facilities-wise and everything, we was we were the leaders in that area, and so we had a great opportunity to compete, and, and, and we were able to, to win a whole lot. In that 03-04 team, uh, where you pretty much ran the table, you did lose to Cal State Northridge in, the, in that first game and, and knocked you guys out of the Big West tournament, but we're still nationally ranked. What was the feeling like on that Sunday afternoon, waiting for your name to get called and not seeing it appear on the TV screen to uh, be in the big dance? That's a, that's a great question. You know, I don't want to be dramatic, but it was devastating. 
it was really devastating. Because didn't they have cameras there, right? They had, like, cameras on you guys. And like, is Utah uh, yeah, State going to get in uh, and all this? They had cameras. And, and we didn't know. We were hopeful. But we by no means thought we were in the tournament. But we were, we were really hopeful. I remember we lost the game to Northridge. We got back on a plane. Um, I mean, because I think we lost on Friday, if I remember the days right, because it was the quarterfinal game. Um, or maybe it was Thursday then. Anyway, we lose. We come back the next day. And it's just, it's miserable. It's just miserable, and we're all just cautiously hopeful. I watched about three or four minutes of that championship game and was just sick to my stomach. And then Sunday, yeah, we all go to the Spectrum. They have cameras there, and uh, and uh, we're watching it. I remember uh, Richmond got in, and... Uh, and that really concerned us with an at-large. And then UTEP got in. And we kind of knew when UTEP got in, at least I knew, based on what I'd read, I was like, I don't think we're out. And that was, that was near the very end. Um, show got over. All, I, I don't remember anything other than I just walked out. I immediately just left. Walked out. Didn't stick around for interviews or anything like that. I wasn't even... I. I wasn't trying to be a jerk or anything. I, I literally just walked out, got in my car, didn't say a word, drove back to my ha- uh, apartment, uh, went in the bedroom, and uh, and just sat on the bed for probably about eight hours. Uh, didn't say a word to anyone, didn't want to say a word to anyone. Uh, I think Coach Ray called me the next morning or, yeah, I think it was the next morning because I don't even think I had a cell phone at the time. Intentionally didn't have a cell phone. I didn't want anyone to be able to contact me. Um, and uh, and was just like, hey, we got to get ready. We got Hawaii. And so I had my I had my eight to twelve hours of mourning, and then I regrouped mentally. And I was like, okay, well, we're in the NIT. Let's try to play in Madison Square Garden because that was always a dream of mine. And so that that's how I kind of refreshed and revamped, but kind of having gone through it, and then especially as a senior, you know, I, it was devastating for me as a junior, but I knew that I had one more chance, one more year. Those seniors, I mean, that would have been really, really hard, really, really hard to kind of swallow having the season that we had, being ranked whatever we were, 19th, 21st in the country at that point. But, but yeah, that was a tough one, man. That was a real tough one. After you left Utah State, uh, you, uh, you had some chances to, to work out with the Utah Jazz. Uh, then eventually you went up and played internationally, and uh, you even have uh, another nationality that's placed on you. <laughs> Explain how that worked, uh, to work being able to play for uh, another country. I have Azerbaijan citizenship, and, uh, and it, it, it just a random thing. You know, in Europe, each country has its own rules of how many Americans, and so if you're an American and can play, but qualify for citizenship and play as a foreigner, not as an American, but as a European, then, uh, then you become more valuable. And, uh, at that time I was playing in Greece and, um, and Azerbaijan was really trying to push their national basketball program to try to promote it and try to have some success. And I was connected, uh, through some guys, a, a Serbian guy and some other guys, who were helping the Azerbaijan team kind of hired as consultants to find the right players. And, uh, and I ended up having a great game at the right time in front of the right people in Greece. It was a team, it was at the end of the year, I was playing in Peristeri in Athens at the time, and we were playing a team in Colossus Road, or no, that was Tricola, playing against Tricola. 
and I ended up having a great game that year, and, and the right guy was in the crowd and saw me and came up to me afterwards and said, hey, we'd love you to come play for the national team. And I, sh- I said, sure, uh, after I kind of found out what it entailed. And so there were a couple summers where I went over and uh, and for a month or so and traveled around Europe and played for their national team to, to try to qualify uh, for the European championships. You kind of have to move up. At no point were they going to be able to qualify for the Olympics, but the goal was to try to do well enough in their uh, in their classification to where they could advance and then try to qualify for the European championships. And so we were playing kind of lower-level countries like uh, Albania and Belarus and uh, and those kind of te- – and Sweden. I remember playing against Sweden and those kind of uh, countries. But – Really cool experience. Azerbaijan is a great country. Uh, I mean, they have their issues too, but Baku is a beautiful city. And uh, I met a lot of really wonderful people that I actually I still keep in touch with on WhatsApp. I still I, I messaged with one of them the other day. So uh, it, it was I, it was a blessing and it helped my career uh, as well. So it was, it was a fun thing. In 2015, you were named to the uh, Utah State Athletics Hall of Fame. What did that mean to you, that, that honor? I was really grateful to receive it. I thought that was... I, really grateful, and and I thought, you know, it it was symbolic and uh, and kind of evidence of the success that we had at Utah State while I was there, and I really do mean we, um, because and I felt it when I got up to give a speech and I looked out at the teammates or I looked at Stu and 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 Randy and Tim and you know the coaches and Don at that time. Um, I, I was so grateful that, that I, I was at Utah State when I was there. It was kind of a perfect storm. The right coach, um, the right system, you know, the right conference, and, and obviously the right fans that wrap their arms around that team or those teams. And, uh, and I, I was just grateful that I was able to be a part of it. And, uh, and the Hall of Fame obviously was just kind of a result of the success that we had, and I really do mean we. And, and it also it made me grateful for, you know, it kind of whatever it was in me, that the drive that I had to try to be good. Uh, you know, as a coach, it was interesting. I, I, saw, it, I saw it from a different perspective, and I, I, I think I was a little naive as a player just that that, that was – the way I operated or the things that I did, I just, that's what everyone did. But in reality, it wasn't where, you know, I think back to Tim Durier, who was an assistant at the time, he would always leave his key for me in his mailbox. And, you know, three or four nights a week, I'd go drive to his house and get the key to the spectrum and go into the spectrum at 11 or 12 o'clock at night and, and go shoot on my own and, and certain things like that. And I laugh about it now, you know, kind of, what in the world was I doing? You know, but but also grateful that I had a little bit of delusion in my mind that I was going to be good enough to play professional basketball. And in my mind at the time, it was to play in the NBA, and it obviously didn't work out there. But um, I had I had just a little bit of delusion, and I call it a healthy dose of delusion that it motivated me to work harder. That if I worked and worked and worked, I actually was going to become good enough. And so I, I think about just little things like that that probably made all the difference in my basketball career and and at the you know when you get inducted to the hall of fame you look back and you're grateful for the people but you're also grateful that for whatever reason i did those little things that made all the difference and helped me you know be be successful 
Were you surprised that you were not retained on Craig Smith's staff after uh, spending a couple of years there? Everyone thought you'd be the kind of the recruiter because you're familiar with the university, you're familiar with the state of Utah and its high school athletics. How surprised were you that you were not asked to come back? Yes and no. Craig obviously has had a phenomenal, done a phenomenal job at Utah State. And when you come in and, and start a program, um, you want it to be your program and, and I, I completely understand why he just wanted to start fresh with a clean slate, and I think he probably made a good choice, I mean, from that standpoint. At the same time, yeah, I, I have a lot of love and a lot of passion for Utah State, and um, I think there were probably a lot of reasons to keep me on. But I, I honestly, I think it's worked out uh, the best for everyone. I think it's worked out, obviously, for Utah State basketball. They've had a lot of success, and, and personally, uh, it, it's worked out really well for me that I've been, I've been able to be a lot more present in, in my kids' lives the last two years, you know, since then. So I, I'm glad they're doing really well, and I'm really glad it's the way, the way it's worked out for everyone. Well, and that kind of leads to the, the last question for me that I had, is that you know, in this process, in our course of interviews with above-average former Aggie basketball players, <laughs> is that, I like it. Is that we want to follow up with them. Like, what, what are they doing now? What have they done since playing? For Utah State, and certainly you've been a little more visual than than most around here because of of your time with the Utah Jazz on their radio broadcasts, and then you were an assistant coach for Utah State. Uh, but what what have you done since being an assistant for USU? What are you up to now? Great, great question. Um, so I I actually connected with another Aggie, a former Aggie football player, Brian Hunsaker, who uh, started a, a wealth management firm, you know, 20 years ago. And I've known Brian for five or six years now. And uh, his firm's in Salt Lake. It's called Iron Gate Global Advisors. I've always had an affinity for, for markets. Uh, I was an accounting and finance major. I did an internship on Wall Street in their private equity, private placement group. And, and really, while I played basketball, one of my great passions was was investing and managing my own portfolio. And my wife will tell you when we first got married, actually, I hadn't thought about this. We, we were in Italy, and almost every day we'd play cards uh, when the stock market would open. It would be 2 o'clock uh, European time and uh, Italian time. And so we'd, we'd play cards every day, and she'd look at me and be like, really, this is what we're going to do is watch CNBC and play cards? And I'm like, you know, uh, just today. And then it turned into the day after. But I've always loved investing uh, and that kind of stuff. That's what Brian does, and he's phenomenal at it. And so um, had an opportunity to join his firm, and uh, and now we're partners uh, with one other guy named Brett Patterson, who's who's adopted into the Aggie family. We've adopted in. in but uh, And so I, I work in Logan most of the week, but come down to Salt Lake once or twice, and uh, and that's what I'm currently doing in very grateful that, that I get to do it. I really love what I do right now, and uh, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Utah State Hall of Famer Spencer Nielsen joining us here on the Full Court Press. Spencer, final questions for me. Uh, I want to play a little bit of a game with you. In your primes, Spencer Nielsen, Ty Wesley, Gary Wilkinson, if you're playing a game of 21, who wins? Gary, in our primes? Yeah. At your peak, in your prime, whatever that is. <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, I have to go with myself, and I just—I mean—that's just what you have to do. And I would hope Gary would go with himself, and Ty would go with himself as well. In reality, Ty—Ty Ty probably uh, just injures us both, Gary and myself, <laughs> before we can even before we can get anywhere, and he wins the game. I don't know exactly what it is—if it's an elbow or or something like that—and and. and uh, 
And Gary, the other thing, I don't know, if Gary's hitting that day, he could win because he doesn't want to go in the key. Gary just wants to shoot threes. And so maybe he's just out there casting threes. But <laughs> I, I would like to think my, uh, my experience and wisdom would get him. Great Ty Wesley story, actually. And this is why I think I beat Ty because I probably am in his head uh, enough to where he was, he was a redshirt freshman my senior year, if I have the years right. And, uh, and he would run scout squad. And every single day, so there's your trash talking question. I forgot about Ty. Every single day, scout squad, he would try to score on me. And, uh, and I'd always tell him, two seconds, Ty, two seconds, just wait two seconds. Cause he'd shoot the ball and say something to me. And then we'd see the ball, the ball bounce off the rim and not go in. And I'd just say, you got to wait two more seconds till it goes in. And then you can say whatever you want to me, but it's got to go in the basket. So. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to think that uh, that I could win a game of twenty-one, but you'd have to go to the prime because I don't think I could even get to twelve in the, in the you know right now playing actual professional or playing basketball. Sam Merrill is uh, chasing down uh, the two thousand point mark. He'll join J.C. Carroll to, in doing so. I mean, Wayne Estes, of course, will be there. But I want to ask you: when you see Sam Merrill play now, when you see and when you remember J.C. Carroll, if you had a game on the line and you needed it, the one bucket to get it, who are you taking, J.C. or are you taking Sam? That's a great question. Wow. Two very different players in just reality. Two very different players. Both incredible basketball players. I think the similarity that made them both great is, is they are two incredibly competitive individuals. That competitiveness that, that drives them is, is really what made Jay great and, uh, and what Sam, and kind of a belief in, in themselves. I mean, Jay would have gone one-on-four and wholeheartedly believed he was going to score the basketball, and he would have, you know. And Sam's the same way where I remember even even when he was a freshman, a sophomore, I remember uh, just looking at him and saying, hey, Sam, we need you to do this. And, and he'd go out and, and try to do it and do it a lot of the times. But he just believes – I think both of them believe they're capable of anything – um, I want them both. I know that's the politically correct answer. Such a cop out, uh, Spencer. Come on. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I either one of them. Jay, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, Jay's a better <laughs> shooter. I, I, you know, in terms of just pure shooting and scoring. But Sam's a, a, a more well-rounded basketball player. So I want, I want, I want both of them uh, on my team. And fortunately, I know them well. Both, uh, both well enough that that I think I could recruit both of them to be on my team at the same time so I wouldn't have to choose. Spencer, it's been a lot of fun catching up with you and uh, reminiscing back on those times when you were in Aggie and what you've been doing since then. We, we appreciate uh, what you embodied as an Aggie, how you represented the school on and off the courts, and it's been fun seeing what you've done since then. So we, we appreciate your time today and wish you all the success with what you're up to right now. Hey, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, obviously, I mean, Utah State's been so great to me, and all the, all the coaches, all the administration, all the fans, and everyone. Uh, I really am grateful to be a part of the Aggie family, and uh, and attribute a lot of my success in life to, to the people that I've been surrounded by from college and then on. And so I'm very grateful for. It. Appreciate what you guys are doing, and uh, go Aggies.